Mary, did you know that your baby boy will someday walk on water? Mary, did you know that your baby boy will save our sons and daughters? Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new? This child that you've delivered will soon deliver you. Mary, did you know that your baby boy will give sight to a blind man? Mary, did you know that your baby boy will calm a storm with his hand? Did you know that your baby boy has walked where angels trod? And when you kiss your baby, you've kissed the face of God. The blind will see, the deaf will hear, the dead will live again. The lame will leap, the dumb will speak, the prayer. Mary, did you know that your baby boy is Lord of all creation? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day rule the nations? Did you know that your baby boy is heaven's perfect lamb? This sleeping child you're holding is the great I am. Mary, did you Acts chapter 9, in the Lord good. Thank you, Miss Jennifer, letting the Lord use you this morning. Acts chapter 9. Could you imagine holding the Son of God as a baby? Lord, have mercy. And by the way, yes, she did know. She knew who she was holding. She knew exactly who he was. The angels told her, God told her. She knew, wow, what a loving God we serve. 
Mamas, you know what it's like to hold that newborn baby. Could you imagine holding the Savior of the world? What a mighty God. What a mighty God. Acts chapter 9. I won't ask you to stand with me. <clears throat> Acts chapter 9 and verse 20. The Bible says, And straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. But all that heard him were amazed and said, Is not this he that destroyed them which called on his name in Jerusalem and came hither for that intent that he might bring them bound unto the chief priests? But Saul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews which dwelt at Damascus, proving that this is very Christ. And after that many days were fulfilled, the Jews took counsel to kill him but their laying await was known of Saul, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Now this is our text this morning. Then the disciples took him by night and led him down by the wall in a basket. Dear Heavenly Father, bless the reading of your word. Lord, I'm so thankful that those men had the heart that they did to rescue the life of Saul. Lord, we know who this Saul is, that he later became Paul. And Lord, what a ministry he had. But Lord, it was prolonged because you put in the heart of some saved men and women to extend an arm of grace and mercy out to this man that sought to kill him. Lord, I thank you for this group of men and women that were willing to hold the rope. Lord, I'm thankful for the men and women in this church that are holding on to the rope today. That are extending that arm of gratitude out to the lost extending that hand of love to the, to the saved that are not mature yet, that are learning to follow Jesus. Lord, I thank you for those holding the rope for those who are hurting today. There are so many that are hurting in this whole world. And God, as Christians, we ought to be holding the rope for them. Lord, I thank you for those that care for others. Lord, give us this same kind of heart this morning. Help us to hold the rope. I praise God for who holds the rope for me. Lord, I praise God the people you put in my life to surround me, to help me to continue my ministry. Lord, I love you and I praise you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. I want to speak to you this morning on the subject, hold on to the rope. Hold on to the rope. We see in our text this morning the young Apostle Paul early in his ministry. Saul was just saved. This was even before uh, he became Paul. But Saul had got saved on the Damascus road. He was on his way to Damascus to persecute Christians. Okay, He was on his way to kill Christians. And on the way to commit this sin and on the way to persecute the church, God got a hold of him on the Damascus road. God saved his soul right there on the Damascus Road. Later on in his life, Paul said that he was the chiefest of sinners. I'm glad that no one is too far gone that God can't get a hold of and save. This man just got done killing Stephen. This man has persecuted Christians. He hated Christ. He treated people horrible who knew the Lord and trusted in the Lord. And this man was saved by the grace of an almighty God. 
And on that day, God saved his soul, but not only did he save him, but bless God, he changed him. I'm telling you, when God gets in you, he gets all over you. And not only should you be saved, but you ought to change. And there was a change in this man, and he ended up going to Damascus, and he was there in his home, and he would go to the synagogue, the very synagogue that he was going to, and the very synagogue that he belonged to. And he was going to persecute Christians, but he went and he preached Christ unto them. He preached Christ unto them. Boy, isn't it amazing what God can do in your life? Just amount of days. And the Jews were mad and they were angry. The very man that was on their side, that he has switched sides now. And they sought to kill him. They sought to destroy him. And they laid wait at night and day at the gate. They would not let Saul leave. They were going to capture him and they were going to kill him and they were going to punish him and they were going to do all they could to ruin his life. But the Bible said that there were some disciples. Now, the disciples here are not the 12 disciples. The next verse are the 12 disciples when he gets into Jerusalem, okay? Disciples are what we call Christians. These are God's people. In the Bible, never did a Christian call another Christian a Christian. They're always called disciples and followers. It's the world that identified us as Christians. And so when he says disciples, all he means is save people. People who were dedicated to following Jesus Christ. These weren't necessarily preachers. They weren't necessarily deacons. They weren't necessarily leaders in the church. They were saved people who were willing to put their life down on the line for somebody else. As I began to think about this situation, I thought about some other stories in the Bible that we had this same situation take place. I thought about the rescue of Moses when he was just a little baby. When his mama knew that he was going to lose his life, she took the basket and she put this little baby in the basket and pushed this basket out in the stream and in the river and God took the basket right where the basket needed to go. Amen. But aren't you glad? glad that his mama did that. This became the leader of Israel. This became the man that led him out of Egyptian bondage. And it all started because of a mama with a burden to hold the rope for her son. And said, I'm not going to let the devil get this one. And I'm going to put him in God's hands and put him in the stream and let him go down the river. Aren't you thankful she held the rope? I think about Rahab and the spies that came in when the nation of Israel was trying to get into Jericho. Aren't you glad that Rahab let down that scarlet cord and allowed these spies to be in her home. Israel may have never conquered Jericho if that old Gentile woman had never let down the rope, had never allowed these people to come in and out of her house. Aren't you glad that Rahab was willing to hold the rope? Aren't you glad that she was willing to put her life down on the line? And when the spies came to her to ask her if she would, she said, oh yeah. I've heard about the God of Israel. I've heard about how he got y'all out of Egypt. I've heard how he got you through the wilderness. You, I guarantee you, I'll hold the rope because I know who your God is. I'm willing to hold the rope because God is mighty and God is big and I'm not going to stand in opposition to your God. I'll hold the rope. I'll hold the rope. I think about young King David when Saul hated him and was trying to kill him. Uh, Saul's daughter, Michael, what's 
was also the first wife of King David when Saul sought to kill David. Michael, the daughter of Saul, extended the rope and helped David escape from the palace so that he could run and get away from the, the angry King Saul. Aren't you glad that somebody held the rope for King David? The man after God's own heart. The man that slew Goliath. The man that have, we have the Psalms. We have a praiser. Man, we have somebody rejoicing and shouting. You may be ashamed to praise the name of the Lord, but David wasn't ashamed. And he let it be known in the Psalms. Aren't you glad somebody held the rope for him? When his life was fixing to end, when everything was, was black and dark and his life was coming to an end, somebody extended a hand of grace and mercy. The rope is a picture of a lifeline. It is a picture of help in time of need. May I tell you that everyone in this world needs help. Everybody needs something. I've met people that's so prideful. I don't need God. I don't need you. I don't need anybody. They're lying to themselves and they're lying to me. Everybody needs somebody. May I tell you, we have two things in this world. We have God and each other. And if you don't seek God and seek one another, you're going to be in bad shape. Everybody needs help. This rope is a picture of a lifeline of a child of God who is willing to extend their hand to help somebody in a time of need. I want you to know that if there's anybody willing to help, it ought to be God's people. If anybody is willing to hold the rope, it ought to be God's people. If anybody has a heart of compassion, it ought to be the blood redeemed. It ought to be us, blood bought by the blood of the Lamb. It ought to be God's people. If anybody cares that anybody's going to hell, it ought to be you. If anybody cares that there's prodigals in the hog pen, it ought to be you. If anybody cares that somebody's starving to death, it ought to be you. It ought to be us. God's people ought to be willing to hold the rope, to extend that help. Help. Selfless act. Putting ourselves to the side long enough to help somebody else. Maybe it's taking the shirt off your back. Maybe it's providing food. Maybe it's prayer. Maybe it's just being there. Maybe it's being there at midnight at the hospital. Maybe it's just that phone call. Brother, I love you. Sister, I love you. I'm here for you. I I'm here. Anything I can do, you let me know. Maybe it's just somebody to come along and say, I want you to know that God loves you. Maybe it's just somebody there to encourage. Maybe it's that one to help us stand accountable. We all need somebody, don't we? God's put people in my life. God's put people in your life. But let me tell you something. You ought not just be on the receiving end of that rope. Child of God, you ought to be extending the rope to somebody. Willing to help them. Willing to love on them. Willing to care for them. I want you to notice who held the rope. Notice verse 25. It says, Then the disciples took him by night and let him down by the wall in the basket. These men were disciples. As I said, they were not necessarily preachers or deacons. These were just God's people doing what God's people are supposed to do. God's people are supposed to help. 
It ought not catch us by surprise when things come our way. We ought to be willing to jump on board and help anybody at any time because as God's people, that's what we're called to do. We're called to help. These were saved people, okay? These were God's people. These were also people of forgiveness. These people forgave Saul for the man that Saul was. And this is what blows my mind. The very men that Saul came to kill and take back to Jerusalem to be arrested are the very same men and women who extended a rope for him. The same men that he went to crucify and persecute were the same men and women that were willing to extend the rope and say, here you go. Here you go. These were men and women of forgiveness. How many of us don't want to extend the rope because we're bitter? We don't forgive. I remember what you did to me ten years ago. Who cares? As God's people, we are to forgive. Not only were these men saved, but these men and women were forgiven God's people. They forgave this man. They didn't care where he come from. They loved him for who he was. This man killed Stephen. This man persecuted the church. And they forgave him. And they loved him anyway. I'm telling you, there's people that have been hateful to you and hateful to us and hateful in your life, but you love them anyway. And you extend the rope of kindness and love for them. These were men that were willing to forgive. These were men that were willing to let go of the past. These were men and women that were sold out to the will of God. I want you to notice in verse 15. It says in verse 15, But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me, to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. God had a plan for Saul. And these men and women submitted to the will of God in their life. It was God's will that they helped this man. This man was fixing to have a successful ministry. But in order for his ministry to be extended, God's people were going to have to submit to God. Do you understand what set these men apart? Was simply they were sold out to the will of God. Do you realize that when people come along in your life for you to help, it's not a coincidence? It's God's will. God is doing this. And if God does it, don't shut the door. If, the, if God opens the door, walk through it and do all you can. It was God's will. What if they just said, no, I don't have time. Nope, I'm not going to do that. Nope, I'm too busy. Nope, we're bitter. <laughs> we'll help anybody but him. Come on, Christians, we've all been there. No, nope, I'm not going to do it. He would have lost his life. And we would not have the books on grace like we do right now if it wasn't for the Apostle Paul. God used him in a mighty way. God had a plan. But in order for that plan to take place, God's people were going to have to submit to God. It is in God's will when somebody comes along. It's not a coincidence. It's not an accident. It's the providence of God, the sovereignty of God. He puts you in the right place at the right time to take care of the individual that needs your help the most. God knows, doesn't he? If y'all have ever been on the receiving end of that, God knows. 
Only God knows how to take care of His people. Amen. And aren't you glad that people have extended the rope for, for us when we needed them the most? When we needed them the most, God so good. And God willed that these men would do this. These men loved one another. They were selfless. These men were willing to lay their life down. They put their life in danger in order to hold the rope. Understand that the greatest example of love in the Bible is Jesus Christ. And if anybody held the rope for us, it is Jesus. Jesus held the rope for you. He extended an olive branch, if you will. He extended His arm of love and mercy and grace. When you were lost and undone, an enemy of God, He extended His arm. Aren't you thankful for the arm of Christ? Aren't you thankful that He was willing to hold the rope when you were lost, dying, and going to hell? He said, I'm not willing that any perish. But He extended that rope. You see, child of God, we're to be like Jesus. We're to be like Jesus. We ought to have the same mind. Greater love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. Are you willing? Are you willing to lay your life down for your friends? Are you willing to suffer? so that others can receive good from you? Are you willing to put yourself to the side so that others can get the help that they need? That's what holding the rope is all about. It's a selfless act of love. Can I, can I be honest? We're too busy to hold the rope. We are. I am. I'm as guilty as anybody. Man, I'd love to help them. I just don't have time. Sometimes we're too bitter to hold the rope. Sometimes we just got too much going on in our life. Child of God, God's called you to hold the rope. Hold the rope. Be more like Jesus every single day. Aren't you glad He held the rope for you? Aren't you glad that He died for you? Hold the rope. Now I want you to notice number two, who was in the basket. If you're with me, say amen. It says in verse 25, And led him down by the wall in a basket. And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, who was on the other end? Saul was on the other end. The apostle Paul. The man that went on to do great things. The man that went on to start churches after churches after churches. The man who knew about the grace of God greater than anybody. This was the Apostle Paul. You never know who's in the basket. You never know what the final end of that person's going to be. But child of God, you submit to God and you extend that rope out. And whoever's on the other end, you pray for them. These men had no idea that Saul would become Paul one day. They had no idea. You have no idea the people that's on the other end of your rope. You have no idea the future that God has planned for them. You never know the people you may reach out to and evangelize. May be the next Billy Graham. May be the next great preacher. May be the next great evangelist. It may be the next best Sunday school teacher you've ever seen in your life. It may be one of the best singers that we've ever seen in a church house. It may be one of the greatest soul winners you've ever seen. You never know until you hold the rope. You hold the rope because you never know who's on the other end. Who's in your basket? Who are you holding the rope for? I'll tell you who we need to hold it for. We need to hold it for the lost. Lost people need to be saved. 
Child of God, every one of us has a responsibility to witness to the lost. Are you holding the rope to the lost world? They need Jesus. How shall they hear if they're not told? You need to tell them. You hold the rope. You may be the very person that God has put in their life to tell them what Jesus has done for you. Preacher, I don't know all the Bible. Will you have a testimony if you know God? You tell them your testimony and you tell them how good God is. You hold the rope. You never know that little boy. I, Brother Brian was here last Sunday, and he was raised in Texas with us. I forgot about his testimony. I didn't think anything about it. And as he began to talk about his testimony, I remember at church camp that he took me behind that tabernacle. And he said, Brother Josh, I need to be saved. Brother Allen, I had no idea what this boy would, would one day be. Y'all seen this young man. He's God's man. He's being used of the Lord. Man, I'm so glad that I took the time. I don't always hold the rope, but I'm glad I held the rope for that lost boy that day. I'm glad somebody held the rope for me so that I can be saved. Child of God, hold the rope to the lost world and extend Jesus out for everybody that your family would be saved, that your neighborhood would be saved. They're not going to get saved if you don't hold the rope. You hold the rope for the lost. You hold the rope for the young saved. Those babes in Christ that are becoming followers. You that have been here a while, that have been in the Word, that have matured. You extend the rope and you disciple them. You invest in them. You take them and you love on them. And you spend time with them. You check on them. You ask them, when's the last time you read your Bible? What did you study today? You take somebody, child of God, if you've been saved for all these years and you've never invested in somebody, you're missing out on the greatest blessing. One of the greatest things about following Jesus is leading other people to follow Jesus. Hold the rope. People come in here and they get saved and boy, they're shouting hallelujah and they're gone in two weeks. Have we called them? Have we checked on them? Have we discipled them? Thirteen kids, fifteen kids got saved in Awana so far. Praise the Lord. But salvation isn't everything. Are we holding the rope of discipleship for them? Are we willing to put ourselves out there to teach them how to follow Jesus? Temptation's coming and they need to know. And they need to know what to do when it comes. We need to hold the rope for the prodigals. We have brothers and sisters in Christ who have strayed away. You've been a prodigal. I've been a prodigal. Aren't you thankful for those who held the rope? Aren't you thankful for that daddy that was back at the house praying for that prodigal son? Holding the rope, ready all day, any day, any hour of the night, ready for that prodigal to come home. When's the last time you called that prodigal? I miss you. I miss you. We're not losing people to other churches. We're losing people to the world. We're losing people to the devil and to the world. The world is swallowing them up. And so many times, it's the deacon's fault or the preacher's fault. Well, that preacher, he's just running folks off. How do you know? Have you asked him? We got to hold the rope. We got to hold the rope. What about that old prodigal out there? 
that is struggling, who knows better. They need somebody that cares for them enough to pray for them. You know why I'm standing right here? Because somebody was willing to hold the rope. There were some women that I knew in Hyde Park Church that was praying for me. Let me tell you something. The reason why some of you are where you are is because of women like Miss Frances Kilcrease who was willing to hold the rope for you. When you weren't doing right and when you were doing wrong, she was patient and loved you anyway. And there's some folks around here who's held the rope for those prodigals who never gave up on them. When everybody else said they're no good, they kept on loving them. We need to hold the rope for those who are struggling, those who are dealing with cancer, and those who are suffering from the curse of this world. Man, I'm telling you, God's people are more persecuted than we've ever been before. Who's holding the rope for them and saying, Brother, sister, I'm there for you. I love you. I'm in your corner. There's nothing like a brother and sister to go to the hospital and get on the knees with them and say, I'm here with you. Call them. Talk to them. Do something. Hold the rope. They need to know you care. They need to know you care. Hold the rope. You say, I don't have anybody to hold it for. Open your eyes. There's people hurting all around us. They need us to hold the rope for them. Brother Bruce, where there you are. You moved on me. Don't do that. You have suffered the last few months. God's people have been holding the rope for you. God's people have been praying for you. And I'm telling you why you are where you are because God's people is on your side. And they have lifted you up every single day while you were in that hospital, while you were down in the dumps. God's people were lifting you up. I'm telling you why I am where I am today because God's people behind me and they've extended a rope to me. Hold the rope. Are you holding it for your preacher? Are you holding it for the leadership of this church? I was getting this sermon. And God has placed somebody in my life, in my heart, to hold the rope for me. And I was getting this sermon and I was thinking about this individual and the phone rang. And it was this individual. And they said, what are you doing? I said, I'm getting a sermon on you. Had no idea what I was talking about. I said, I'm sitting here thinking about you. Holding on to that rope. There's some people in here that know the right time to call me. There's some folks in here that knows the right thing to say. And I'm telling you, this preacher couldn't keep on going if you didn't hold the rope for me. You say, oh, that preacher, he's strong. He, no, I'm not. I'm weak. I'm broken. But with God and his people, I'm going to get through this. We need one another. This preacher needs you. How many is holding the rope for them deacons? Well, I don't like them deacons. Well, hold the rope for them. Pray for them. Pray for your leaders. Hold the rope. Hold the rope. What about that Sunday school teacher who has dedicated their life to teaching you? Hold the rope for them and pray for them. Hold the rope. What about our missionaries? What about our missionaries who have dedicated their whole life to evangelizing this lost world? Who have left their jobs, who have left their homes, who have left their families to go to another place to tell people about Jesus? They need us to hold their rope. 
I told you three or four weeks ago, y'all called Brother Trey. He told me several people called him. Praise God. They're wore down. They're going all over this country. They're going all over getting funds to start this church. This week, they met down in Sterlington. Eight or ten adults, four, five kids, something. I don't know how many people that are going to start with them down in Sterlington. They had 12, 15 folks the other night. This family's one of them. Hold the rope. He's wore down. Miss Laura come in last Saturday night. She said, is it going to be wrong if I don't go with Trey tomorrow? She said, I'm exhausted. Every Sunday night getting in at 10, 11, 12 o'clock with those two babies. Hold the rope for them. They need some help. Our missionaries need some help. When's the last time you wrote a letter to Glenn Knight and said, Brother Glenn, I'm here for you. I love you and I'm praying for you. Out there on that ocean in the Philippine Islands being chased by terrorists. How many, how many missionaries are you holding the rope for? Invest in somebody. You grab that rope and you help them. And when you grab a hold to it, don't you let go. You hold on to the rope. You be that lifeline for them. When everybody else has left them, you be there for them. And you hold on. And don't you let go. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. You hold on to that rope, and it may not make sense right now. It may not, may not be understandable right now. Those men may have not had a clue as they extended that rope out what they were doing. But they were making Paul, Saul, Paul. He was fixing to go on to do great things. You know why he was able? Because God's people was able to hold the rope. Hold the rope. It's not all about what you can get. But as God's people, it's about what you can give. And if you're not holding the rope, you're not giving. We talk about giving tithes and giving time and giving this and giving this. What about holding the rope? What about investing in people? Hold the rope. Simple sermon. Easy sermon. But difficult to apply. I thank God for the people He put in my life to hold my rope. Who's invested in me? Brother Jerry Carter right down the road. 80 years old. Blind. He's lost some of his senses. He's getting older. That man has held the rope for me more times than I can count. And I've told him every time, Brother Jerry, I'm going to be there for you. I'm 20 miles from him now. I love those people. They've extended that rope. They held the rope for me. Miss Clara used to love to cry. I don't know what it was. But she would cry over everything. And when I was down in the ministry, I would go to Brother Jerry and Miss Clara Carter. Brother Jerry would say, son, get over it. You all right. Miss Clara would get mad at him and sit down and cry with me. <laughs> I wouldn't tra change those times or trade those times for nothing in this world. That is what has molded me and made me to what I am today. Those people who are willing to hold the rope. Brother Don McCormick, in my life, helped hold the rope. I quote him all the time because he held the rope. Brother Norman, how long have you been in this church? 78 years. 78 years. Has it always been easy? 
but you've held on to the rope. We've had 30-something additions in the last several months. People are getting saved because you've held on to the rope. The ship shakes, troubles come, and people jump. But some hold on and they hold the rope. Miss Joanne, thank you for holding that rope. How many souls have been changed because they've held the rope? They're mad at me right now, but that's all right. Better to ask for forgiveness than for permission. How many folks right here in Promised Land, Miss Martha, has held the rope? Have held the rope for us. This is not easy. We weren't promised that it'd be easy, but we were promised that we would have help. And I'm telling you, God has put and gave us more help in our life. And I praise God for the folks at Promised Land. Man, most, most loving bunch of people I've ever seen in my life who's willing to take their jacket off and get dirty and hold the rope. Child of God, hold the rope. If you're a deacon, hold the rope. If you're a teacher, hold the rope. If you're a student, hold the rope. And don't let go. That devil comes. He shakes. He stirs. He divides. You keep holding on. You keep forgiving. You keep loving. You keep smiling. And you hold that rope. We're going to get through this, folks. We're going to get through this, folks. Let me say that one more time. We're going to get through this, folks. But you're not going to get through it by yourself. We're going to get through it together with the Lord's help.